0: Hey, I'm Jesse. We're continuing in this really important teaching on the nature of spiritual gifts. We at the Redemption Church are officially non-denominational. We're indistinguishable from a Southern Baptist Church in our confession of faith. In fact, that's where our statement of beliefs draws from, is the Baptist faith and message 2000. However, I wanna welcome you from the charismatic background to be a part of our church family, that we are also a continuationist church. Meaning we believe that these gifts of the spirit continue If you're not a part of a small group, you missed this from chapter 13. Famous passage, read at weddings all the time, not really about a husband and wife per se, but it is about the use of spiritual gifts in love. That as we use our spiritual gifts, there's this day coming when they'll no longer be necessary. Love never ends. That's chapter 13, verse eight. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things aside. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known." This is about the second coming of Christ. Who else could be referred to as the Perfect One? Cessationists, meaning those who believe that the spiritual gifts, including tongues, have ceased, point to an era called the Apostolic Age, thinking about the deaths of the Apostles. When Peter was crucified upside down, when Paul was possibly beheaded, when John finally died, even though uh, they tried the first time to execute him on Patmos uh, and it didn't work. When the apostles finally kicked the apostolic bucket, that's when it's believed that these spiritual gifts came to an end. That's the cessationist view, as in the ceasing of the spiritual gifts continuationists would believe that even the miraculous gifts including healing including tongues continue today this is the operative text and the the pivotal point is when the perfect comes chapter 13 verse 10 who else could be described as perfect but Christ right now we see him as in a mirror dimly but one day we'll see him face to face right now it's like we're children but then we'll be grown ups Right now, we know Him only as a reflection, but one day we'll be face to face with Him. In chapter 15, you'll see this same teaching continue, that we will one day be with the resurrected Christ, that we will be with Him once more, and this apostolic age, as we call it, is not described biblically. It's, it's not talking about the, the coming of the day when Paul kicks the bucket or when Peter dies and when John dies and when Thomas is gone and when Andrew's nowhere to be found and Bartholomew has finally ended his ministry or fill in the blank. Like It's about the coming of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus and his return to earth, that we see him face to face. That's when you no longer need the gift of tongues. Why were the languages instituted in the first place? See the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 6 and uh, and thereafter, wherein the corruption of man and our depravity, our ability to collude in our depravity, allowed us to sin with unending descent into depravity. And then God confused man's speech, instituting the languages as a means of mitigating our ability to cooperate with one, one another in our shared depravity. But in when the perfect comes, the second coming of Christ, when we are united with him forevermore in heaven, we no longer need tongues because we no longer need multiple languages even. I don't believe we adorn gray smocks and abandon our cultural distinctives. I believe that all the nations bring their glory in, but we no longer need gifts like these because we have Christ. We no longer need any prophecy because we'll be in heaven forevermore. There's nothing else to foretell. It is perfection forevermore. We no longer need these spiritual gifts. There's no longer any knowledge because we now then know everything. We know everything that we need to know for all, for all of eternity, forevermore. Uh, when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. So this teaching about spiritual gifts and the gift of tongues within, falls within two camps, cessationist and continuous or continuationist depending on how you pronounce it. Cessationists believe that the gifts have ceased. Continuists or continuationists believe that the spiritual gifts, particularly the miraculous ones, like tongues and healing, continue. At the Redemption Church, we fall within the continuationist camp. We don't practice the gifts of tongues or healing in corporate worship. We do pray that God miraculously heals people who are sick, And if you need to come forward and be prayed over, you got it. You come forward and be prayed over. I've prayed for people to be healed at our altar, but we don't make a big show of it. It's not like what you see on TBN, all right? We're not, um, if if I genuinely genuinely had the ability to just like touch people and heal them, uh, there'd be no more cancer wards. But instead, we do ask God for miraculous healing. We've seen God do some amazing stuff. But our faith is built not on these signs, not on these wonders. It's on Christ alone. We go book by book through his word in expository fashion. We do believe that spiritual gifts continue until the coming of the perfect one, until the second coming of Christ. But we exercise those gifts within the clear guidelines provided by Scripture. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 7. Paul's continuing in this illustration about the continuation of the gifts, namely tongues, Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. So he uses the illustration from music in the same way that if the bugle player doesn't give the proper command, then the troops won't know how to respond. You've heard the famous swing song, the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, Company B. It's not far off, actually, from the original biblical context that you would use these certain melodic lines to give certain commands and certain teachings. They would just know what that trumpet sound meant. And Paul says, if you're not, being clear in your distinction between this pitch to this pitch, then the, the troops out there on the front lines here, and they're not sure how to respond. They don't know what to do because you're not being clear. And that same way, if you're speaking in tongues in church and nobody's interpreting, there's no clear language. nobody's Nobody can respond. They can't take any action. They can't respond to what you're saying because they don't know what you're saying. This is a common practice within some charismatic churches, some that have even visited here in the Seattle area, wherein this kind of uninterpreted use of tongues, known as glossolalia, is just openly invited. And I've heard the speaker on stage even kind of encourage more and more of it and say, yes, for 30 more seconds, we're just going to continue to speak out into the air, unintelligibly, without interpretation. And as a result, he's defying what 1 Corinthians 14 says. So this is why we exercise the spiritual gifts the way that we do. This is why, though we are continuationists, we don't exercise spiritual gifts in corporate worship the way that charismatic churches do. I want us to be able to preach like Baptists and worship like charismatics who believe 1 Corinthians 14.